This episode of the Cigar Snob Podcast is actually a broadcast that we do on AM radio. So we do a show called The Draw on 1210 AM The Man, which broadcasts in South Florida, Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. We've been broadcasting live from Cigar Cellar of Miami at 1557 Sunset Drive, and we're sharing broadcasts of The Draw here on our podcast. So, without any further ado, here is the latest installment of The Draw on 1210 AM The Man, which you can also find on Spotify if you search for The Draw 1210, or uh, streaming live, again, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday from 1210theman.com. That's 1210theman.com. Otherwise, uh, you should be able to catch uh, episodes of that show right here on the Cigar Snob podcast feed, unless you want to hear us live, which is always fun. Anyway, here you go. Welcome to The Draw. We are live. you know how many watts we have, Jonathan? How many watts do we have? We are broadcasting live with 50,000 watts. That's a lot of watts. At Cigar Cellar of Miami at 1557 Sunset Drive, I am Nick Jimenez. And today, Eric Calvino, who is uh, shouted out in our promo, is out. Eric is uh, road tripping somewhere west of the Mississippi with his family. He has left me here alone to fend for myself. This is very frightening. I'm going to turn on that microphone for one of our guests. I am joined by two of the first people who agreed to show up when I was scrambling, calling anybody I knew who would smoke a cigar. And they are, first, Jonathan Alfonso. Say hello to the people. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? That's Jonathan. He is an attorney. Sometimes I make videos of him saying things into a camera to help his business. But we're going to talk about, uh, about a bunch of those things, maybe, and then some other stuff. You're, you're decked out in, in a lot of sports gear. Who knows? Maybe we'll talk sports, which I know Ricardo loves. Ricardo oh is God. over here. Um, Ricardo is also an alum of the school that uh, of the high school that Jonathan and I went to. We are all Belen people, so the Belen Mafia that so many people in South Florida are familiar with has taken over this program. Ricardo, say hello to the people over there. Hello. Pleasure to be here. Ricardo is, uh, is many things. Ricardo is an art critic. He is a poet. He is a collector of fine, multi-pocketed vests. Uh... <laughs> And these are all things for which Ricardo is very well known. Um, Actually, I touched one of the pockets right now. You touched the pocket? Does there's it, something does in it there. Does it feel like it's a, there's something in that pocket? There's something huh? in there. Ricardo's always got stuff in the pockets. He's got lots of pockets to work with. We're joined by Jackson also. You might hear Jackson barking. Jackson just Jackson actually likes barking at caps. So you two came in here. And it's not even, I don't think he really hates them all that much. I think he just wants everybody to know, hey, that guy's wearing a cap, and we need to watch. Watch out for him. Yeah. So... Uh, you guys, I don't know whether you're listeners of this show. Let's pretend you are. You know that we have been working our way through the list, um, Cigar Snob's list, of the top 25 cigars of 2018. However, our publisher, Eric Calvino, is very possessive of that process. And so in his absence, we have decided to smoke something that I know the two of you are fans of. We are smoking Padron Anniversary Series 1964 Exclusivos. I think this is something the two of you smoke. Right. 
What? What happened? What happened? No, no, no. It's just, just one of mine. I thought you were giving them away. No, 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 no. That, well, that's that's on. That is on Eric Calvino. Eric Calvino is covering these cigars for us today. Okay, then. And we're getting cafecito. Cafecito, just excellent. I'll t- yeah, I'll take one for sure. I'll. Oh no! Yes. Oh, you can't take this guy. He's always got special requests for his cafecito. So let me ask you, what's in the special blend? Um, café, agua, and sugar. Okay. <laughs> a little water in there, huh? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Special recipe. Yeah. No, I only you know once you once you nail me on details, I cease to be a gourmet. All right. So the Padron Anniversary Series 64 Exclusivo. Exclusivo refers to the size of the cigar. So these, of course, are made by Padron in uh, Esteli, Nicaragua, and uh, they are five, five and a half by 50. So for those who are just joining us for the first time and don't know what it is that we're talking about, that's 50 64ths of an inch in diameter. Uh, it is a box press cigar, and I actually picked these out because when I went and asked uh, uh, Alex what we should be smoking, he told me, uh, well, I know Jonathan is coming, and Jonathan's going to want to smoke Padron, so pick up some exclusivos. I thank you very much for asking, Alex. <laughs> I was very worried you were going to take me like on a different path, make me go down some road I haven't been before. Are you not an adventurous, you're an adventurous smoker or no? You know what's funny is I, I think I'm more drawn to the culture of cigar smoking, um, but as far as being a connoisseur, you know, as far as how you, know, you and Eric going down the list, um, trying all the different cigars, I, I don't know if I'm at that, that stage of my smoking career, sure. if that makes any sense. But you, in general... Padrón is something that you might default to. Exactly. I, th- I okay. think pa- Padrón always ends up as, you know, when I walk into that humidor, that's always one of the areas I gravitate towards, especially if I'm in a you know, new location. I don't know exactly what's going on. Um, I'll tend to gravitate towards the Padrón. So what would you say it is that, that you like about Padrón? Um, like when you're smoking it, what is it that you're thinking like, yeah, this is why I picked this up? You know, I think the way... Number one, the, f- the flavor of the cigar, you know, the way it kind of it draws, the way, the way it tastes. Um, there's certain cigars, you just try the first couple puffs, and you just know right away that you've gone down a road you don't want to go down. Does that uh-huh. make sense? Yeah, when it's like really harsh, you kind of get that back of the throat scratchiness thing happening. Exactly. So I, I think it has to do a lot with that. Ricardo, you're a, you, you pick up Padrones every now and again. All the time. All the time. And you're, actually, you're, you're typically buying them over there at Padron. Yes. Uh, yes, indeed. I know you like going straight to the source. Yes, indeed. So what is it that, that keeps you coming back to them? Well, um, what I look for in a cigar is a sort of symphonic quality. I told that, you he was a poet. That, that you start, as Jonathan says, the, the initial you know, tastes are wonderful. But then in many cigars, that tends... It gets boring. It just it stays at that note, and it doesn't really evolve. Not with a padrón. With padrón, you, as you're smoking, you get a whole sense of other things happening, a richness, a fullness that I mean, I find absolutely wonderful and intriguing. All right. So, so uh, let's transition to talking about what it is that these two people do, because again, uh, Eric is gone. Eric is actually um, he's he. Thank you very much. We're getting our cafecito. Over here, Cafecito Fix, uh, mid-show, which is easily the best part of the show, just in terms of quality radio. Everybody yeah. likes hearing people Slurpy receive Cafecito, slurp their espresso. Hey. So get ready for the Slurpy Radio Hour. Yes. Yes. Especially at 6 p.m. At si- oh, 6 p.m. So the, everybody knows the 6 p.m. slurp. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Eric and I were just at the uh, IPCPR trade show in Las Vegas, which is the cigar industry's 
annual trade show, which we might get into a little bit later if we're, uh, you know, if we have a little bit of time for it. Uh, but I want to introduce people to the two of you. So Jonathan, we'll start here. Tell the people what it is that you do when you are not uh, filling in for Cigar Magazine publishers on the radio. You, you mean when I'm not getting phone calls at 2 p.m. if I could show up at Cigar Sunday? Correct, yes. Oh, on my day off and on my way to go take the family on vacation. Uh, is, that, is that what I interrupted? <laughs> yes. I was actually at the mall getting an outfit for uh, our son is six months old now, and it's, it's crazy how fast it goes, but we're in that stage where we're constantly trying to keep up with his clothing, so I was trying to find him something like a bathing suit because he... Um, we're pretty sure he's going to end up pooping himself at some point. Um, We've all been there. Yeah, yeah, children, children problems. Um, well, I was going to say like last week. Spring break. At at the convention. At the convention. Right. Yeah, they, in they, Vegas. They, just last week in Vegas. Things got a little wild over there. Um, but no, um, uh, my my actual day job is I am a practicing attorney. Um, we we have a law firm named Title Answers, which is a real estate law firm. We basically do anything under the sun related to real estate for clients. These days, the majority of what we do is we assist clients with uh, real estate closings and whatever the fallout of that may be. It could be anything from helping individuals with a landlord-tenant issue to helping individuals with a lien issue that comes on their property, but basically anything related to real estate. So that's what you know we do on the day-to-day. Yeah, and so when I referenced earlier the fact that I had put a camera in front of your face a few times, that is because if people uh, go look for you at Title Answers on, on Instagram, they'll see a number of videos that we've, uh, that we've worked on together. We're sort of offering people some, some tips uh, on the home buying or the home selling process. Uh, and maybe we'll get into some of that, but what I wanted to start talking about, and Ricardo, you may, you may be interested in some of this because I know that you have, for your own purposes, an online presence. Uh, talk a bit about, uh, and, and I wanted to get into this because I think a lot of the people who listen to the show probably are either entrepreneurs or have some idea that they want to get off the ground or work in some capacity where, you know, the, the people they work for might be interested in, in their helping them with, uh, you know, get their message out, whatever that might be. Talk a bit about uh, what your thinking was for doing, what these videos look like and what the thinking was for doing them. Um, so this is generally a series of short, quick tip videos. So how, how is that uh, lined up with your anticipated, uh, you know, results? Well, you know, I think right now we're living in an era where, from a marketing standpoint, you have you have this incredible microphone, right, to broadcast to the world. You can literally go online, turn on your phone, and have thousands of people um, listen to your message. So, you know, what uh, Nick is talking about that we did together was Nick helped me record a series of podcasts, and we were able to, through that podcast series, we're able to you know, educate consumers. I mean, at the end of the day, the majority of what we do is we help people with, you know, one of the largest transactions they will make in their life. And the whole process is just very, it's, it's, it's a very scary process. And the way it's always worked, right, because you've had this closed realm where in order to buy a home, you had to go, you had to sit down with an attorney. But that's so intimidating, right? Nobody wants to do that. What does everybody want to do? Everybody wants to open their phone. They want to go on Zillow. They want to look at houses. They want to go on HGTV and watch the shows. And, you know, that's, that's fun and sexy. But how do you really educate yourself with, well, okay, I want to buy a house. I want to move into the house. What about the 55 steps in the middle? And what I realized was, you know, and you really were instrumental to helping us get our message out there, was I could kind of break down those walls and, and show people, you know what, 
let me educate you a little bit about how this happens. Let me tell you a little bit about us. And the great thing about it is the cost is minimal. So you're saying, you know, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, you know, I was able to, with those videos, come up with a way to put myself out there to explain to people what's going on. And, you know, it's just an amazing, amazing mechanism. Um, I think I've told you this before, but I'll tell the listeners out there, you know, we just have these series of videos, which are, they're 10 minutes long and we break them down into two minute clips and we release those two minute clips and we always give them a catchy title and I'll have people just walk up to me in the most random of places. And, uh, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the, um, videos that got a lot of, um, one of the videos that got a lot of attraction was titled the art of the drug deal because we equate real estate transactions to drug deals. Because at the end of the day... You're helping of, people exchange cocaine for homes. Exactly. Right. That's, that's, well, I mean, that was the 1980s. Um, now, nowadays, it may be Bitcoin. Um, I'm not exactly sure. But, um, you know, the reality of it is, the, the way it works out is when you get to the end of a transaction, you know, the homeowner wants the home, you know, the seller wants his money, and there's this awkward, like, give me the money, you know, give me the home. And, you know, I kind of go into all of that, and I think it's helped people understand. And it's just been an amazing uh, vehicle for us. So, yeah, if anybody's out there, anybody's on the fence, anybody's thinking about building their business, I think right now you have so many free tools, so many free apps. You have so much free exposure. Mm -hmm. you, you have this ability to, to broadcast yourself. I think, you know, what I've seen more than anything is people, people are afraid. And the biggest thing you hear all the time is, well, I don't want to be on camera. You know, I don't like how I look. And, uh, you know, one of, the, uh, one of the conferences I went to, the guy made an excellent point. He said, well, guess what? Your clients at some point are going to have to see your face. So just get on the damn camera. And I thought that was excellent advice. And I think if you remember when we did our first video, yeah. you showed up and I said, let's just do this. Right. Yeah, just turn the thing on. And yeah, let's not, let's not do too much prep. So when we come back, we have a, a couple of minutes here. But uh, Ricardo, talk a bit. We'll, we'll talk more about what it is that you do. But uh, what has your experience in a totally different field been with the role of the Internet and, and that kind of communication and expanding your business? Well, um, as a writer, um, you know, I publish in magazines all over the world, and many times, you know, the, 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 if they have uh, either their e-zines, that is completely digital magazines, or they, even if they're print magazines, they have a, a digital presence. So that really helps enormously. I've been able to reach out with my work to just, you know, India, Australia, you know, all Europe, Latin America, and so forth. Um, and that the internet obviously is the forum where an obscure art like poetry uh, has acquired uh, a much greater you know presence and I get contacts um, people reach out to me I read this I read that it astonishes me I imagine a lot of people probably don't assume that the internet has done good things for poetry oh they'd be they'd, well it has it has given uh, poets an enormous and uh, an immediate presence uh, you know that, that we didn't have. Uh, we, you know, it would take you'd have to die. You know, and then you know, fifty, a hundred years later, people you know droning on about your work. Then eventually, your name goes up there. But you know, it's kind of nice for some of that to happen while you're still smoking a cigar, and, right? And you know, bumping into things. Bumping into things. So we're going to take a break during which I'm sure we'll bump into all sorts of things. Uh, you are listening to the draw live from Cigar Cellar at fifteen fifty-seven. Sunset Drive. I am Nick Jimenez. I'm joined by Jonathan Alfonso, an attorney, and Ricardo Paullosa, an art critic and poet, and wearer of vests and caps 
and all sorts of other things who are the first two people who agreed to join me on this radio show will be back after these what I'm sure are very informative advertisements. Thank you. All right, welcome back to The Draw on 12:10 a.m. The Man. We are live from Cigar Cellar at 1557 Sunset Drive. If you're a regular listener of the show, you know that this cigar lounge is right next to a sports grill, which means that if you are anywhere near here and you want a free shout-out on the radio, you need to pass by Sports Grill, pick up chicken wings, and bring them to Cigar Cellar for me, for Jonathan, and for Ricardo. Um, so, but before that, there is something that I want to say about this store. Did you guys know that this store is a sponsor of the show? I did know that, actually. I have been told to read this, but I mean every word of it. Hey, guys, it's Nick Jimenez from The Draw. As a person who travels the world, the whole world I travel, visiting cigar lounges, people ask me about the best cigar bars in Miami. Everywhere, they're asking me about this. In Miami, and I always say, cigar seller. I know Jonathan is here a lot. I definitely am. And that's why, because it's the best place that there is. It's located right off of Sunset Drive in South Miami. Owner Alex Broch invites you to the man cave that is Cigar Cellar. It is also sometimes a woman cave. There, is, there, are two, there are two women here right now. This is also a woman cave, and there's a dog. It is a dog cave. Uh, there is 24-hour access to the, member, uh, the VIP member lounge with humidified lockers and t uh, TV and big discounts. That is if you are a paying member. The memberships are 800 bucks for the year, and that includes store credit, you get discounts, absolutely worth becoming a member. There are excellent craft beers and wine, and the selection includes Oliva, My Father, La Flor Dominicana, CLE, Arturo Fuente, and also Padrones, like the three exclusivos that we are smoking right now. Cigar Cellar is also the home of our radio show. We are live on site Monday through Wednesday at 6 p.m. We hang out, smoke, and talk all manner of cigar snobbery. You're a snob. We're going to talk some snobbery around here. Visit Alex Broch and the great people at Cigar Cellar, and they will make you a VIP, and they will make you even more VIP if you pay for VIP status at 1557 Sunset Drive. You can call them if you're one of those weirdos who still uses a phone to call people at 305-381-0458 or CigarCellarOfMiami.com on the Internet. Follow them on Instagram at Cigar underscore Cellar. I know you're big on Instagram, Ricardo. It's Cigar Cellar. All right, so that is the thing that I really do mean. This place is great. You should be here. There are people here drinking beer, drinking wine, smoking cigars, watching the news. Uh, apparently, Joe Biden said things. I'm looking at the TV right now. He's on Fox News saying things. So uh, that's the sort of thing that happens around here. Like I said, we're smoking Padrón Anniversary Series Exclusivos. How are you guys doing with this cigar so far? Superb. Excellent. Superb. So... Uh, George Padron, actually, and I mentioned it to you, Ricardo. He was—he just happened to to drop by on one of our recent shows. Uh, I think it was last week. Um, this is—I think—one of the things that draws people to Padron is the consistency. That every single time you pick up a Padron, it's—it's it's this signature that you know you're going to get. It's got like a sort of peppery, chocolatey uh, sort of quality. The thick, uh, the thick smoke, which I kind of like. There's a there's a lingering quality to the smoke as well. Um, Tell me a bit, Ricardo, uh, about the role that a cigar plays in, well, let's start with what it is that you do, because it's a little bit difficult for me to summarize very, you know, in, in, a, in a pithy, you know, sort of way, what it is that you do. Tell the people what you do, and then we'll sort of transition into the role cigars play, because 
I know that you're very, uh, very, you like to make sure the cigar is visible whenever uh, people are discovering your, yeah. your work. Yeah, uh, every, every photograph that I take for magazines or for, for the covers of my book, uh, it's always got a cigar. So um, what do I do? I write poetry. I, I write art criticism. I, my specialization has typically been Latin American, 20th century and contemporary. Um, I've written any you know number of books and many articles on that, and curated shows as well. Uh, put them together and travel them through museums and so forth. Um, and I collect art. It's, I, you know, for me, writing poetry and collecting art and writing about art are all part of one huge um, dynamic. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't just write about art. I write about the artists, of course, that I that I love and that help me think. And I also write a lot of poetry based on art, so it's all like one big, uh, you know, relajo, you know, kind of like a big lump of organized chaos that eventually winds up being coherent to other people. So you have found a way to be a professional relajal. I am a professional relajal. How does one, uh, how, what was your path into one, Direct. I mean, you know, I was just like from childhood right into professional relajal. No. Uh, <laughs> I, my path was, you know, it, it's interesting in this sense. It had a lot to do with the Miami of the 1970s. Uh, it was a time in which, you know, there was a large Cuban influx, of, especially of artists and intellectuals. And, uh, and, and the city was beginning to become not just simply a, um, you know, a, a resort, a, a vacation spot, but also a place where... Um, you know, culture, people of culture from Cuba, because they were fleeing communism, were coming here and, and re remaking their lives and producing art and music and, and literature. So it was very exciting to see these people that, you know, that were the creators of culture. Mm -hmm. you know, Cuba, up to that point in my life as a kid, it had been, you know, stories of, you know, of great torment and uprooting and, you know, incarcerations and struggle. And it was a great tragedy, suddenly. Miami became a place where it was also the, the, a place of great cultural life. And that, that sort of like connected with me in a very dramatic way. And then through that, I connected to Latin America. Got it. And so when you say, and I know this, but just to communicate it to the person listening, uh, talk about the interplay between the poetry and your interest in and, and also you know, involvement in, in criticism of uh, visual art. Well, it was very tricky because, of course, you always have to, when you're writing poetry, you're creating a work of art that might be inspired or not on, on, a, on a painting or a sculpture, but it can't just be description of it or an analysis because then basically you're writing art criticism. So at first it was very slippery and I would trip and fall. But eventually, you know, you get the knack, you develop these two sides of your creative personality. And, um, and, and that's enabled me to, to have a lot of fun, actually. As I'm writing, sometimes I get an idea, and I'll save it, and then that will take me somewhere else. Right. So cigars, the role that cigars play for you in, in your work. Well, Talk a bit about that. I've always, you know, I've been smoking cigars since I was in my 20s. Uh, I'm 65. Uh, and so for me, um, the, the aroma of, of cigars, of course, takes me back to my childhood. I left Cuba when I was six. And uh, my godfather, uh, Manolo Rodriguez, 
was the uh, nephew of Ramon Rodriguez of Partagas. So I was, you know, very much in, even as a kid, very, you know, much into the aromas and and the whole bit with cigars. And, and so when I grew up and could make my own choices, cigars became a natural. I never smoked cigarettes or anything else for that matter. And um, so cigars became um, a kind of wine and uh, that that I could savor as I was writing. It connected me to my childhood and to my heritage. And uh, I just, you know, it, it ignites in me a, a, a hedonistic element that sometimes when you're writing, you know, it's not present because you're writing, you're, you're working, it's ideas, it's concepts. But as, you're, as I'm smoking, you know, my, my, the aromas and the tastes are, are connecting me to pleasure centers, which, are, which help augment right. and vivify in some ways what I'm doing as a writer. What about the, the process of this? So, for example, I mean, I, I, I do a very different sort of writing when I'm not uh, on, on the radio polluting the airwaves. Um, but the process of smoking, everything from the, the ritual of the cutting and the lighting and the, the way that it affects, the way that it forces you to breathe in a certain way, um, does, does that end up playing any kind of a role for you? I know it does for me, but I wonder whether the, just physically the, the, the act of smoking a cigar does anything for you. It does, but, but more than anything, I, I, I've done this so much uh, that I've, I've internalized those aspects and I can do them as I'm doing these other things. Plurality is sort of like the way I concentrate. So um, it just simply brings in an element of intense physical pleasure in an activity mm -hmm. that is otherwise just purely cognitive and intellectual. Yeah. So a question for, for both of you, and I imagine that your experiences with this have been a little bit different. Talk about uh, the relationships that you have in the work that you do and whether and how cigars have played a role in, in those relationships, whether it's becoming deeper or forming them. Like there's always that person that maybe, you know, the conversation went a different way because you both had a cigar in your hand. Do you find, for example, Jonathan, that like when you're, when you're I don't know, whether it's networking with attorneys or whatever it may be, I imagine sometimes you invite people out to have a cigar. Yeah, you know, I think, listen, it's interesting because Ricardo and I, right, let's take that as an sure, example. Sure, yeah. We're two totally different walks of life for somebody that's, you know, from the outside looking in. And Ricardo and I have, you know, created this special friendship. And I think it's interesting because the, I don't know if the readers, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's difficult for the readers to appreciate, but for example, I've seen him in his element when he's smoking a cigar, when he's his most exciting is when he's actually around his artwork and he's smoking a cigar and he's explaining to you because all of a sudden he's showing you a painting and I'll never forget one of the first times I was at his house he's smoking a cigar and he's talking about this artwork for 15 minutes and he went he went deep in that creative sphere and at the end of it he's like you understand right and I'm like I didn't feel any of that but I can appreciate <laughs> by you the said, way you yes of course I do and then maybe later you but you know he he definitely for him it gets the creative juices going i think for me um cigar smoking has always been like you say a way um to create relationships what, what i've always enjoyed like i said is is the culture around cigars i i enjoy for example why why do i enjoy coming to cigar cellar i know i can come here i can find a good group of people i can sit down i can pick up a good cigar i can relax have great conversation and exactly that what you're saying right you can 
you can invite another individual, and I've done it plenty of times here, where I say, hey, you know, meet me at 2 o'clock at Cigar Cellar. Let's, let's have a cigar. We start talking, and all of a sudden, you kind of create that bond. Because, you know, one thing, you know, that I realized, um, you know, as an attorney, right, you, you go, you, I, for example, my track record, I, I, I got a bachelor's, I got a master's, then I got my law degree. You do all this schooling, but nobody ever teaches you the, the fundamentals, which is relationships, right? You can, you can know as much as you want about whatever topic it may be, but a lot of times you have to forge relationships. And, and in my business, there's a lot of that. Um, I've, I've seen it also a lot, you know, in, in Ricardo's world, because I've seen him personally host events at his house where he invites up-and-coming artists, and he gives them a platform to, to meet other artists, platforms to meet other individuals, and which is very important because I've, I've come to appreciate that because those creatives, right, they need to see other creatives and they see other ideas and, and you know, it's this smorgasbord of ideas that all of a sudden one of the guys, I, I, f I found it interesting, I forget his name, but he's been at your house a couple of times and you've gotten him into, uh, into cigar smoking, Ricardo. I, I forget his name right now, but he told me that he's been collecting all the rings from your cigars oh and trying to turn it into uh, he's been trying to like come up with like an art piece um, where he's um, do you know what I'm talking about I, f I forget his name right now but um, he's 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 told me he's told me that because the last few times we've been at his house he's been like do you mind if I take the ring of your cigar and the first time I was like that's kind of weird I was no, going to say maybe, maybe this was all just a ploy to get more cigars <laughs> like oh no there will be an art there will be a piece coming out of this somewhere down the road <laughs> But, um, but, you know, for, for me, it's been, a, it, it's been a lot about the culture. You know, I, I definitely think that, you know, it, listen, like anything, right, we're all trying to get uh, a common denominator amongst somebody new, and I think a cigar kind of gives that to you. And, and, you know, there's nothing like an hour and a half conversation, sitting in a good cigar bar, having conversation. You can really get to know someone. And listen, you know, most of the time you'll be like, you know, this is, I didn't know this about this person. And, you know, maybe 15% of the time you're like, holy I don't want to smoke a cigar with that guy ever again. That was way too much for me. <laughs> but, you know, um, th that's at least my experience with, uh, with smoking cigars. Well, and cigars, uh, we forget that it's, it's, it's not just a pleasure, and it's also a history. I mean, it's intimately connected to this whole part of the world, the Caribbean, Central America. It is our wine of this region. Sure, it's yeah. also the, uh, perhaps the first major industry, agricultural and, and craft industry of this region. And it is, you know, and people smoke cigars seriously are already just by that connected to that deep historical resonance. So you've got that in common with somebody who's already in the cigars, whether you like different cigars or not, it's a whole different story. It, it has that, that, that rare capacity nowadays where everything is so frivolous everything is so transitory so now um, that that suddenly you're you're engaging in an activity that connects you with centuries right of, yeah of, of delight and, and knowledge and connoisseurship and you can say the same for for things like wine or scotch if you when you get deep enough into it you're you're getting into all those things about right. wherever these things come from uh, all right so we will be back we have one more commercial break you are listening to The Draw live from Cigar Cellar at 1557 Sunset Drive. And, uh, yeah, enjoy these ads. To The Draw live from Cigar Cellar at 1557 Sunset Drive. I am Nick Jimenez with Jonathan Alfonso and Ricardo Pauliosa. Uh We are near Sports Grill. None of you have brought me chicken wings. I'm very upset about this. Shame on all of you. 
go away. Next time, bring me chicken wings. Otherwise, you're not welcome. Uh, before the break, we were talking about Ricardo's uh, line of work or several lines of work. You are a much more cultured person than any of the rest of the Philistines in this, uh, in this cigar lounge. Um, but I think it would be of value to, you know, kind of let people in on some of what you do. Uh, so we talked about the fact that you, that you are a poet. A lot of your work is, uh, is based on or inspired by uh, other works of art. So you've got a thing that, you, uh, that you're going to share with us here. Let, let no one ever say that you don't get everything from this radio show. Sometimes we do sports. Sometimes we do cigars. We, do, we bring in real estate people. I, I almost brought in a priest. We may have a priest at some point in the future. This time we have a poet, and you are about to get uh, poetry right yeah, now. Yeah, big time. Um, <laughs> by the way, you know, it would be interesting to do a program with artists, because I know a lot of artists that smoke cigars. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, for you sure. Know, then we, the whole thing could turn into like this thing about you know, how they you know, interact with the process and creativity. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. Major artists who live here are, are huge cigar smokers, people like Jose Vedia and, and Julio Larraz and... You know, a bunch of others. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, okay, so I'm going to read you a poem called Monstrance Man from uh, my, the previous, I have a book out now, the one before, called Man. And it kind of connects aspects of my childhood with the emergence of, you know, totalitarianism in Cuba and what I saw as a child. So, and, and, the, and, and how language is connected to both of those things. A, a monstrance, by the way, is, is a, in, in Catholic worship is this, a very beautiful, ornate structure where there's a host and it's shown uh, to the faithful. But of course, I'm also punning on monster. On sure. That, right? As a boy, he had trouble speaking, past three before a real word preened from his lips. And for the longest time, malaprops haunted him. His older sister did what, he, what she could to train the bitten seal of his brain to twist the red ball in the nose of eloquence. And his grandmother, tired of insisting he utter the names of toys or foods, for every desire was coded, gave him whatever he grunted and pointed to. Oh, the man, then a boy, thought, when I tower among them, I should invent my own speech and leave others empty and afraid that they did not know it, could not ask or plead their case in the one tongue that mattered. I shall have them look upon the simplest things, the man, then a boy, thought, and fill up with stolen awe and point with their faces, their pupils wide as blackened coins, and hope with all the revenue shattered heart glass can muster that someone had grasped their need as need and not as the monstrous coupling of sounds in a trance of whims. Then the grind of his teeth vowed, then the plazas of my city will fill with my name and their blood will matter as little to them as to me. Nice. Very good. I heard you were good. I wasn't sure until, you know. Well, well you know. <laughs> your, your listeners can, can go online yeah. to, you know, and, and also, not just to my website, but to a bunch of other sure. things that pop up. And so I think they, you can link that on the podcast. Right? Yeah, we can link it on the podcast, but just in case, uh, uh, you can find Ricardo's website at pauyosa.com, and that's a hyphenate. So it's P A U hyphen L-L-O-S-A or just Google Pau Yosa uh, let uh, everything happen. And, and, and just let everything happen there you go listen he has a Wikipedia page he right? does have a Wikipedia page you can Wikipedia, Wikipedia Ricardo Pau Yosa well, yeah. 
This is, I mean, that's how you know you've made it is when you have a Wikipedia really? page. I'm pretty wow. sure that's what that's what the kids tell me. Really? Do you have a Wikipedia page? I don't have a Wikipedia I page. I do not. I do not. He probably wrote his own Wikipedia no, page and published I did it. Not. Though. No. <laughs> I think it would be fun for us to go and edit your Wikipedia page. Oh, I don't even visit it, so I wouldn't know until like you know years later. It, well, or until people start commenting to you about all the crazy yeah. things they learned about well, you on Wikipedia. Do you really have a part time as a birthday clown? And I go, what? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's that's where most of your inspiration <laughs> comes from is your experiences as a birthday clown. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, another uh, aspect of what you do, you are an art collector. And Jonathan, yeah. you were talking earlier about uh, about going through Ricardo's house and uh, taking in you know uh, this collection. And talk a bit about uh, how you see art collecting because you've you've often just you've, you've described your home as as a reflection of of your head. Right. Uh, talk a bit about that. Well, I, I'm I'm an unusual collector in that I don't I'm not really very much aware of the markets and the trends. I buy what I love and what makes me think, um, and keep those things that continue to make me think. Um, many people are much more conscious of, you know, the investment quality of it, and that's fine. It's not a crime. It's just a different kind of incentive for collecting. For me, it's a it's a completely you know intellectual process, and and I love to be surrounded by this huge host of things that are talking in different languages and with different intents, because you know I, I, that's how I think as well. You know, I like that plurality. So um, that's you know I collect Latin American art, but not only that, I also you know collected you know tribal art and and also some American art and, you know, some Europeans here and there, but mostly, mostly Latin America. Because that's, that's what I, you know, having grown up as a child uh, of exile, I, I yearned to connect with that Latin American legacy, um, but in, in, a, in a high sense. I didn't just want to think of myself as a, you know, as a Latino who, you know, in terms of just very quotidian or domestic things, you mm -hmm. know, the black beans and the way I and that kind of stuff, and then that's it. I, I wanted to get a full sense of, of Latin America as a civilization, so I traveled it, and I visited all these countries, and I got to know the major artists of these places, and, you know, that was very important to me. Yeah, so I, I was just getting a text message, by the way, that our producer, Gabe, finally figured out where he knew your voice from, and it was that you had taught him at Miami Gate. Oh, my God, really? He says... That you were awesome. Oh my God! <laughs> All look, right, look, look at that. Look at that. The voice endures. <laughs> the voice endures. <laughs> no, and I, I think an interesting thing that about Ricardo's collection is that there's a lot of stories that come with that. I, I think you know, we've all encountered people, you know, like you say that they uh, they're in the marketplace for art, but uh, Ricardo has a, a treasure trove of of stories. You know, the, mm -hmm. I think they're almost like. Uh, kind of uh, timestamps of, of points in Ricardo's life, you know, of people he met, he had relationships with. It's not, you know, oh, I walked in here and I felt, you know, whatever, or I, I thought there was some value. These were, these were your friends, right? Yes. These, were, these were your acquaintances. These were people you hung out with. Yes. I mean, he's told yes. me stories about traveling to various countries and, and even some of the sometimes, and we won't get into politics or anything like that, but some mm. of the, you know, we can but though some some of the issues surrounding at the time you know that were sure. going on and and you know there you know that to me is is a very that's a very interesting thing and and I think it's a very unique thing mm -hmm. about Ricardo's collection is that it wasn't uh 
wasn't the monetary thing of you know kind of buy sell trade high it was right. it was uh, no, no no and people go oh well look I, I i know somebody who would like to buy that i go my god i don't sell anything you know and i i, I just i I, sh- I shirk shriek from that i i totally don't want to do look at it that way but uh that makes my collecting practices unusual to say the least right 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 well i think you walk most homes right and you see pictures of people traveling i think ricardo has pieces of art right. from his travels that's yeah. Do you have pictures up in your house? I don't think I've ever seen a picture. No, like an actual, I, like, Ricardo in yeah. front of, like, a mountain. <laughs> no. You know, wearing, like, a scarf. No Grand no. Canyon no, shot. No, no. I do have a few. Actually, I travel a lot, but I have only a handful of photographs, uh, certainly of myself in these places. So, you know, I just His Wikipedia bizarre. page has a symbol. It's not, there's not even a picture of him. Yeah, <laughs> the poet formerly known as Ricardo. Right. <laughs> a squiggle. <laughs> Uh, ha, are you much of an art collector or art person? So, <laughs> if you really want to laugh, uh, Ricardo was asking me about my, my art collecting, and I told him that my home was decorated by Bear, <laughs> a very well-known artist in Home Depot, because all my walls were bare. And actually, uh, he, um, he, Ricardo actually gifted me a piece of art for my son that we actually have there. And it's, um, it's, he's kind of opened... Um, that that world to me mm-hmm. um but i am definitely not a collector by any means i, I it's something i want to get into having a child kind of put the whole thing on pause but right. i think you know i i like the idea of over time experiencing things and then little by little you know you kind of create a connection to an artist a situation a time period and and you build from there because i th- i think you know getting into another aspect is you have you know that whole world of You know, for example, I was talking and I met somebody else who's in the art world through like a business thing or something else. You know, I was talking to them, for example, about the whole Art Basel thing. I went to Art Basel once and that is that is so much, as we say in Miami, pinta, that I just so walked in there and pinta. I was like, wow, I am severely underdressed. I, I do not feel like I belong here. And, and you know, it just becomes, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, it's that... I don't know. I almost want to say that that side of Miami that sometimes we Miamians don't like, you know, the, the glitz and the show that you put on. But, you know, I think I like a lot more Ricardo's angle, which is, you know, the, you connect to the stories, the people, the time. That to me is very intriguing because I, I don't get that in my day to day, you know. Right. In, in, in our day to day, let's 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 be very honest. Why do people call attorneys? They have a problem. Nobody ever calls me and says, hey, by the way, I'm having a wonderful day. You know, I just wanted to tell you. I <laughs> just wanted to fill you in. <laughs> everybody calls me to tell me, hey, so I got to my house and I got this letter. And, you know, and that's, you know, how a lot of my conversations go. So I think, you know, I think that that entire aspect is, uh, is amazing. Yeah. Well, one thing that a, lot of, that a lot of people, especially in Miami, where there is, as you say, a lot of glitz and, and connected to the arts, is people think, oh, art collecting, well, that's a lot of money, you know, uh, that takes millions of dollars. No, there's wonderful artists who live here and, who, and whose work is accessible. And, you know, little by little, I, I, the first paintings I bought right out of high school cost me 25 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks. Um, and you, you build a, a familiarity and a need to have living things on your wall. I mean, by living things are images that will always be different to you as you look at them through time. Um, Robert Frost 
once described poetry as news that stays news. It's applicable to all arts. Art is news that stays news. And most people get used to living with just, you know, a lamp or whatever, a furniture or things that don't really change. Imagine having something on your walls that really does change and changes you uh, and changes with you or even against you. Uh, and that's, uh, that's not something that is only the, the, the purview of gigantically rich people. No. It doesn't just change in the sense of its significance to you, but it changes as people come through that space because it's different to each person. Who and, and you, you live with it. And right. It changes your life. It enriches it. It, 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 it gives it resonances and, and that, that you wouldn't get from anything else. So in terms of giving people something they can, they can use here, do you have, uh, maybe it's a gallery or an event or a particular artist that you think people should, who, who are totally new to this should go to to sort of go start down this path and figure out what this looks you like you start hanging out among artists you go to some galleries well no, not just, <laughs> no we're not having a gigantic <laughs> block party um, but you can just start to become uh, enter that world and one artist or one gallery leads you to another and to this and to that and before you know you're it's part of your 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 environment your connection to your city and to your and to the culture that's going on in that place. There's a lot of places you can go to, uh, alternative spaces, museums. Many of those are completely free. And so all museums have, have like at least one night a week where, you know, they're, they're free. So you can, you can uh, maybe I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> Jackson correcting you over Jackson, here. No, Fact no. check. Yeah. But um, there is a way to get into this without it costing you, and, and it, will, it won't let you down. It won't let you down. Absolutely. I don't think you actually, you know, and I, I think the misconception is that if you're in that world, you have to be purchasing and, 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 and buying and collecting. Right. You can Correct. just walk the galleries, talk to the artists, get to know them. You know, I think one of the things that Ricardo told me at the outset, which, you know, I made a lot of sense hearing it, but, you know, it's, you know, go out there, experience everything for a year or two before you even spend a dollar. Talk to people, walk into random galleries, go to the museum free events, you know, just start looking around and then see, you know, when you look at something and you have that moment, you're like, wow, I, I, don't, I don't know why, but I feel a connection to that right. or to that story or to that description. And, and you have the Internet. That is also a wonderful tool to explore, you know, the history of art. You start getting into an artist, you go into that, you, you, you follow the, the, the trail of influences. And before you know it, you, you're acquiring a vast education and a vast connection of, uh, through that knowledge. And the things that, that will make sense to your life, that will help you live and, and, and think about your own feelings and experiences in a whole different way. Absolutely. So I'm going to make an, an awkward segue here, but I want to let people know that when we are back, so this is our last day of the week doing the show, when we're back on Monday, we're going to finally be rounding out our uh, series of broadcasts where we're smoking through our top 25 list. We will be smoking number 25, the Hoya Silver in Toro, which is a 6x52. So go out, find that. Usually sells for about $7.80. That's Hoya Silver if you want to smoke along with us on Monday when I believe uh, Eric will be back. Maybe he won't be. I don't know. I could be making that up. But either way, uh, I think that's what we're smoking Monday. If, uh, if we're not smoking it, then you'll have it ready. You'll have it ready when the time comes. Uh, Jonathan, you want to plug your stuff? Tell people where to find you, where to check out those videos we talked about? Yeah, so if, you, if any of the viewers, listeners out there are um, on Instagram, they can follow us there. Our Instagram handle is Title Answers. 
So title, like your job title, and answers, like the answer to a question, just plural. Um, we're also on Facebook, same handle. Our website is titleanswers.com. You can Google us. Um, we're pretty much, if you Google our name, we're everywhere on social media. And, uh, you know, please, uh, you know, I, I, would, I would love the feedback. Um, look at our videos, look at our podcasts. And, you know, if anyone out there ever has any real estate-related questions, um, you know, we more than welcome you reaching out to us. I mean, that's kind of our big thing is we, we're not trying to aim to be your, um, I'm not, you know, the old school attorney that, you know, is inaccessible. Most people have my cell phone number. And, uh, you know, you're more than welcome to reach out. Cool. And then I know that we mentioned that people can find you, Ricardo, at paullosa-aided.com. That's P-A-U hyphen L-L-O-S-A. Is there a particular book of yours that you want to throw out there that people may want to well, check out? My, my last book of poetry that came out last year is called The Turning. And then, you know, plenty of other stuff on Amazon so you can just go through that. All right. And good old Wikipedia. And good old Wikipedia. All right. So that is uh, the end of the show. You're listening to The Draw, the draw live from Cigar Cellar at 1557 Sunset Drive. I'm Nick Jimenez with our guests, Jonathan and Ricardo. None of you brought me chicken wings. You have a few days to prepare for your Monday chicken wing run. Thank you very much. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>